Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Chalk Talk Podcast. As always, Doug Farrar with Sports Illustrated. And this week we're talking draftable defensive backs, cornerbacks, safeties, uh, guys in the middle, slot guys, corner safety hybrids, all kinds of stuff. And we'll be doing the Greg Cosell Podcast tomorrow, as we do every week. But I wanted to, uh, and I, I like to bring in guests who have specific knowledge of a particular position and although matt bowen uh, lead nfl writer and one of the ultimate tape guys in the business works at bleacher report uh was an nfl safety from 2000 through 2006 he does all positions but obviously we uh we love to lean on matt for his knowledge of draftable defensive backs every year and that's what we'll be doing today for about an hour talking about corners and safeties and Guys, who could switch around and play different positions. And first of all, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's, it's a week before the draft, and it's it's busy for everyone. So thanks for doing this. Well, I appreciate you having me. On, uh, I think this is one of the best times of the year. I really do. Not a week leading up to the draft. There's a lot of stuff out there. You know, there's a lot of reports, a lot of agents uh, getting some news out there. But let's just talk football. That's what I like about talking with you. Just talk football. Uh, no reports, no slope streams, talk about players, and I'm excited for this class. Not a great class in the defensive secondary, but there's some good football players that are going to play in the NFL for a long time. Yeah, there really are. Uh, before we get to the specific guys, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about coverage concepts in general. And I want to start with, um, and, and we, we discussed this a little bit on the radio show uh, on Monday. When And I, I know, obviously, coverages are different to different NCAA teams. But in a general sense, when uh, a top FBS corner goes from the NCAA to the NFL, what are some of the things he's going to have to learn, he's going to have to adjust to, either through the receivers he's facing or in the offensive schemes he's dealing with, or the defensive schemes he's in, because people talk about, oh, the coverage concepts are so much more complex in the NFL, and that's good for young defensive backs in a way, but I think it can also be a big adjustment, and I think we see that a lot. Yeah, well, I think the first thing, Doug, is beyond coverages. Now, you're going to see some similarities. For example, uh, when I came out of Iowa, they're on the same defense that they did in 1999. He's called under 8-3. It's an under front. And boom, cover eight is their cover six, quarter, quarter, half. Okay, you're going to see cover six in the NFL. Not a ton of it, but you're going to see some quarter, quarter, half. Okay, you're going to see some cover two, some cover three, some zone pressures or zone blitzes, as some people call them. You're going to see cover one. You're going to see cover zero, which is, you know, send the house. That's so with the quarterback. No one in the middle of the field. It's like cat coverage where you get your cat, you stay in your guy inside leverage, he's the sideline, he's your help. You see a lot of that stuff. But it's more developed at the NFL level. What I mean by that, Doug, is the technique. And I use this example. Because I don't know what you, how you graded him last year, but I was really high on Justin Gilbert out of Oklahoma State. As was I. And the reason why, because of his skill set. But if you watch the tape on Justin Gilbert at Oklahoma State last year, he got away with a lot of things sticking his eyes in the backfield, losing leverage. But he was so talented, Doug, that he was fine the football. He was better than the receivers he was playing against. Mm-hmm. Now, I wasn't in that Cleveland locker room this year, but we all know Justin Jones did not play a lot of football. He had a couple times where you watch him on that Thursday night game. He's okay, he's got some technique, he's getting better. 
They didn't do enough to get on the field. For whatever reason, they, you don't know, we wanted that lock. A lot of times, that's why guys don't develop right away, is the technique. Okay, you can't stick your eyes in the back of the NFL. You just can't. You gotta get beat. It's the number one reason defensive backs get beat. You can't lose leverage. Okay, if you don't have the recovery speed, which some of the guys will talk about today, don't. I'm talking about that elite, long speed, 4 4, 4 3 range. You better play with technique, Doug, or you're done. You're gonna be toast every time. And a good defensive coach in the NFL is gonna challenge his rookies. Now, when I was in Washington, he drafted Carlos Rodgers. Uh huh. I know there's mixed reviews about Lowe's. So Carlos played a long time in the NFL, okay? A long time. He made play. He played a lot of football in the NFL. I think it was our third preseason game. We were playing the Bengals. And Greg Williams is our defense coordinator. He's now the defense coordinator. And, he, and Carlos was tired, okay? It's another thing, your conditioning level. You're going to play longer. You're going to play special teams, too. Okay, you should have added reps on top of what you're doing in the secondary. And those added reps in the special team, they take the wind right out of you. Yeah. Okay, he's run 100 miles an hour, you're running to someone, your head hurts, you can't catch your breath, and all of a sudden you're playing defense on the outside. So Greg called three cover zeros in a row. Three. Carlos couldn't even move. He was that tired. What happened? 50 yard touchdown on the top of the And Greg did that on purpose. One, because it was a preseason game, the game doesn't count. More importantly, he wanted Carlos to see look, this is the type of conditioning level you have to have to play in my defense. If you don't, you can't get in the field. Carlos did. He understood. He played a lot of football for us in Washington. He was a great teammate. I loved playing with him. That example I always use because Greg said, look, if you want to play NFL football, this is how we do it. This is the type of shape you have to be in. And when you're tired, guys, when your legs go and they feel like jello, that's when your technique's even more important. That's when you have to focus. That's when you have to concentrate. I think a lot of rookies don't understand that now because they have everyone tell them how great they are, when they're going to be drafted what type of signing bonus they're going to get. But when they get to the NFL, they go and get veteran receiver. Guys that have been running routes for 10 years, if you don't have technique, you do not stand a chance in this league. So that's, a, that's kind of a roundabout way to answer your question, but that's what I truly believe. And a lot of times I'm not going to put myself in, a, in the shoes of a coach. Okay, if I was looking at this kid, where does he have to get better? Is it his eyes, his footwork, his tackling ability? If he doesn't have a lot of on-the-ball production, what I mean by on-the-ball production, interception, his pass is broken up, why? Why is he not getting on-the-ball production? Are they not targeting him, or is he out of shape? Is he not on the hip of the receiver at the point of attack? There's got to be a reason for everything. And that will be, be exposed if it's not corrected at the end of the ball. Yeah, I was fortunate in that I saw I started covering the Seahawks officially in 2010, which was Pete Carroll and Josh Snyder's first year so. I kind of watched the Legion of Boom get built. And, of course, Pete has known about defensive coverages for eons and eons, and he's been a great secondary coach. And he he came in with an absolute plan. And he and John Schneider said, okay, these are the kinds of guys we want for the schemes we run. So I saw Brandon Browner come in from the CFL. Richard Sherman came in. Nobody knew who the hell he was. Earl Thomas came in. People thought he should be a cornerback. Cam Chancellor came in. People thought he should be a linebacker. Byron Maxwell came in, just got sixty-plus million from the Eagles, and everyone went, "Who?" But I think to your point, I what I saw over a period of about three to four years was a coaching staff and a scouting staff and a front office that had an absolute plan. They knew exactly what kind of guys, who, the kind of guys they wanted to get, and they went and got them. And they didn't care that Sherman had only played two years of cornerback at Stanford because he understood. He also played two years of receiver. He understands pattern reading at a different level. 
They didn't see that you could teach Earl Thomas tackling. They didn't see that if you want to play aggressive press coverage, you can have a Brandon Browner and kind of get away with it. So I I think, to your point, so much of it is you you can't, to me, you can't just draft on athletic ability. And this sounds so obvious, but I see the mistake, or my perception of the mistake made so often in the NFL where you get a guy and you think you can make him fit based on pure athleticism, and to me, you're missing half the, the you're missing half the picture. I agree 100 because you look at those guys you just mentioned, like Sherman run the four five. I think his change of direction time was uh, was not near the top. I know that. And when Cam Chancellor run the four sixes, maybe I think four sixes. If that, uh, you're talking yeah, you're talking about guys that don't have elite testing numbers on the Indianapolis or the pro day. That's fine. If you're drafting on testing numbers, you're going to get in trouble. It always happens. You're going to get in trouble. Because you're not drafting football players. You're drafting nice ones. And I think your ultimate is a guy that has both. Obviously, that's what you really want, a guy that has both. And we can look at some examples in this draft, but I got like Kevin Waters here from West Virginia. He's got both. Yeah. All right, he has size, speed, measurables. He's got team. Amari Cooper. He's a different type of receiver than Kevin White, but again, 4-4 speed plus the take. Look at Vic Beasley. He's got good tape. He's got ridiculous measures. And I love those are top ten guys, right? Yeah. But if you're talking day, late day two, early day three guys, there's going to be a drop off somewhere. And that's what I've always said. There's going to be uh, some sort of limitation, whether it's the testing numbers, whether it's on the ball production. There's going to be something. But can you get them fit them in your scheme? Can they play a certain style that works within your scheme? Now, like you said, you cover Seattle. If you watch Seattle tape. And I've said this to you before. If you're a high school coach and you're not high school defense coordinator, and you're not showing your players Seattle tape, you're not doing your players right. Mm-hmm. Okay, because that is the ultimate tape to watch in terms of how they read, how they react, how they run to the football, and how they count. And that's really, that's technically It is. Get your landmark, square your shoulders, buzz your feet, drive the ball. But that's high school stuff. But it works for the pros when you've got the top tier athletes doing it, the top tier players in the NFL doing it. And I agree 100 percent on those numbers. We get caught up in those numbers, and hey, Doug, I'm I'm guilty of it too. Uh, you know, I talked to you at the combine this year, and sometimes when you're coming out of Indianapolis, that's the talk is the numbers. That you have to slow down a little bit, go back to the film, talk to scouts, see what these kids are really like. Because you're not just drafting the numbers. Because when there's a deep ball down the field, and you take a false step. I don't care how fast you run the NFL. The guy you're going against you is just as fast or faster than he will. But you better have the technique. You better have the football awareness, the natural instincts to play in the second. If you don't have instinct as the defensive back, you're not willing to learn. Okay, It took me probably three years in the NFL to truly learn film study. But if you're not willing to learn that, yeah, there are a couple guys. There's always going to be a couple guys that can rely on just talent alone. There's not many. The majority of the defensive backs in the NFL say 90%. They have a long shelf life in the league because they understand the game. They're willing to learn the game. They're willing to put in the time and the effort to understand what offenses are doing to them. They self-scout. They watch themselves something. They say, okay, this is how this one team in the division is attacking. They're doing the same thing to me every year for the past three years, twice a season. I have to make this correction. I have to change my style of play. I have to adapt my technique against this receiver, this tight end, or especially against this quarterback. He's always looking me off in the middle of the field and throwing the ball in my head. Why is you have to go back, dedicate the time to self-scouting and preparation to succeed 
as a DB in the NFL. I totally believe that. Yeah, I watched Sherman uh, in 2003 improve exponentially on off-bail coverage. That's just one example. Uh, my second question, before we get into individual guys, again, you played in the NFL from 2000 through 2006, so you saw kind of the right, and, and Greg Williams is obviously, he had his own principles, and, and each team does, each defensive coordinator does, but you kind of saw the rise of the Tampa 2, uh, where coverage right. was the base defense uh, for a lot of teams. Since your retirement after the 2006 season, how have you seen coverage concepts change? Obviously, there are more three wide. Slot corners are essentially starters. But in a schematic sense and in a personnel requirement sense, how have you seen coverages change in the last 10 years in the NFL? Well, you mentioned cover two. The first thing you have to have your play cover two is the personnel. You have to have a middle linebacker that can run. You have to have, to have a nickel that can tackle and blitz. And blitzing is a technique. You know, you're running there straight up and down in the NFL. You're being out of, the, out of the league for two weeks. You'd be in the training room. And you can't do that. So, obviously, personnel is different. But you have to adapt to the offense. And I think that's why cover two is kind of taking a back seat. Their offense is doing The tight end position is totally changed. Now, when I first came in the NFL, the second tight end was a monster. Okay. He was a guy that could block down a power ski. That's what he was. There was a couple guys. There was Tony Gonzalez, Todd Heath, Jason Witten was just starting out. Those are the guys. All right. Those are the, the, the versatile athletes that tight end that could run different routes, schemes that could align and move from the court formation. When I first started, a lot of pro sets. Running by pro sets, regular or 21 personnel. Two wide receivers, a tight end, two running backs. A lot of fullbacks in the NFL. That is. Drastically changed. So what do teams do to attack cover two? They put speed in the middle of the field. Whether it's these ridiculously talented tight ends, the guy like Jimmy Graham, who are going to cover this year in Seattle. They've taken guys and wide receivers. Don't, I'm convinced of this. Though. There's no X or Z anymore. Okay. That might be in the program where they line up, but they don't line up there. For example, earlier in my career, when Terrell Owens was playing for Philadelphia, if he lined inside the numbers, he was hitting the ball. Yeah. He was there for a reason. He was aligned out of position. And now, I mean, I'm here in Chicago. Look at the past couple of years here. Brandon Marshall, Marshall, Jeff. They don't align in X and D the entire game. They never get They align in staff. They align in bunches. They align in the slot. They align the back side of three by one, the front side of three by one. They move these guys all over the place. Why? To create a match. Well, Marshall, Marshall's kind of a 40% slot guy at this point, isn't he? Exactly. Of course. And now what you have in the slot, the, the traditional slot receiver, you have a guy 6'5", 130 pounds, that probably plays at a 4'5 speed. All right? He's probably 4'6", but he can play at 4'5 speed uh, when he's healthy down the seat. And now you're telling a linebacker to run with him. Now you're telling the D-pass safety, oh, by the way, you got to cover the nine route outside, which is the fade route. We the quarterback and overlap the seat. That's fine. It sounds good. Looks great in the chocolate. When you get there, he's six five, two thirty. You're not getting the ball from him. You're not. And plus, the rules have changed so much. You cannot lay these guys out anymore. Yeah. You just can't. In the old days, what you would do is you put a helmet in the back of the net. That's what you would do. I mean, I know it sounds dirty, but that's what you would do. You tell him, look, if you're going to catch the ball across the middle, I'm going to put your butt in the ground. And you help him up and you say, go tell your coach, don't ever run this again. But if you do, I'm taking you out of the game. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't really apply anymore. There's a short strikes on the hit. And NFL players don't really want to chop each other down in the middle of the blow off. They just don't. So there's a short strike zone. The game has changed. So cover two isn't 
it's popular anymore. Does everyone still play? Yeah, yeah you'll see it in third and third, 11 plus. I think it's a good defense there. You see sometimes the deep red zone plus change your line because you can sink seven guys with the goal line essentially. But coverages have changed because you have to adapt. And obviously everyone wants to play cover one, right? Everyone wants to play cover one. Everyone wants to play press. Everyone wants to disrupt those receivers in the line of scrimmage. But now that's changed a little bit, okay, because the defensive contact rule. So if you're coming into the NFL right now, all right, and your defensive back in Calix is very grabby on the field, you are going to have to change the way you play to survive in this league. It's offensive-oriented, and defenses, I think, scramble at times. Now, the ultimate answer to all that, Doug, is hit the quarterback. It's all that. And I think that's why you see more pressure. That's why you see a guy like Todd Bowles. Anyone who watched Arizona film last year? Mm-hmm. They play cover zero weather, Doug. They don't care. It's second and seven. Now, it's said to everyone. Okay, why not? If you got the personnel, you got the confidence to do it. And you play with almost a borderline arrogance, which I think you need to do in the secondary. They said, look, we're going to dictate the flow of the game from the secondary. Okay? I think the best team to do that is that we're not going to let you off the line of scrimmage. And if we play off man, you want to slant, we're going to drive downhill, we're going to take the ball away from you, and we're going to lay you down on the ground. And you're going to do certain things like that. All right? But I think that's the ultimate answer to everything. But to do that, though, you got to have the guy. Well, that's, I mean, to me, that's why Arizona, that's to me why Arizona. I mean, they got Tyron Matthew, they got Dion Buchanan. And I've seen Todd Bowles run triple A gap blitzes, which is just nuts. On 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 paper, it's insane to do that against a three wide with a great quarterback. But more often than not, it works because you're disrupting the entire flow of what they want to do. If you if you execute right. it correctly, right, and that's why you want versatility in the secondary. Yep, you mentioned Tyron Matthew. Well. He's kind of the, the prime example right now. The guy can play in the middle field. Guy can roll down. I don't know if guy can play in the slot. The edge, you put him outside a corner, and the guy can blitz. That's pretty sweet right there. Yeah. Everyone wants a guy like that. Good you know, the days of, you know, the days of uh, Steve Atwater, who was a tremendous football player, someone I looked up to my entire childhood playing the game. Those days are gone, man. They just are. I've always said this, and in a perfect world, uh, you'd like to have two free safeties in the field all, at all times. And you and I have talked about this before. That's where people overlook Ken Chancellor. Mm-hmm. Okay, a guy like Ken Chancellor, what we talk about, oh, man, look at all the size. He can come downhill. He's electric to the football. This guy can play the run. He can blitz. And he can play the curl flag and cover two. Well, Ken Chancellor can also play in the defense. He can also play in the deep middle of the field. He can do those things. Well, he can do okay, those. So he, can do those things, he can do those things now, and that to me is the most right. impressive part of what Cam Chancellor brings to a defense in 2015. Because when he came out of college, no, couldn't do it. He's learned. Right. He, he has completely opened up that part of his game, and that's what the best players do. And I think also part of that goes back to the college structure. Okay, you get what 21 hours, I think, a week to work with these kids. Yeah, and I have a ton of friends that are in college coaching, and that kills them. It kills them because they want to teach. They want to coach. They want to get these guys. That you don't have that amount of time. Coaches aren't allowed to work with players in the summer, which is absolutely ridiculous. Okay, the strength coach runs every day for college programs in the summer. So in terms of development, yeah, in college you get stronger, you get faster. You grow up from a high school player to a college player in terms of your frame, your size, your functional strength, which is so important in football. But in terms of technique and knowledge of the game, it takes a step up when he gets to the NFL, but it's also about opportunity. You have to be with a DB coach that wants to teach. 
the DB coach that wants to push him. I'm always saying it's the best player in the NFL. The, the, uh, uh, the top defensive backs I play with, Ken Bailey, Sean Taylor, Todd Light, they wanted to be coached. They wanted to be pushed. Because they want to get better. You can always get better. You can still develop at 32. You're going to be slower. You're going to be hurt most of the time. <laughs> but you can still play faster because you know the game. Yeah. Well, uh, let's get to the individual players. And uh, you mentioned grabby cornerbacks. So let's start with Trey Waynes from Michigan State. Uh, 6'0", 186, very fast. And the thing I like most about Waynes is that and it's something that's maybe hard to see on tape, I think, unless – it's hard to see on tape until you see it. He has the confidence to play on an island. He's going to get beat once in a while. But this is a guy who has no compunctions whatsoever. Give me your ex-ISO guy far out from the formation, and I will play him on an island. I will redirect him. I mean, 6-0-186, could he stand and get a little heavier, a little more powerful, maybe in tackling? Maybe. Uh, is he going to run into trouble with the grabbiness in the NFL? Yes. But I think there's a lot to build on with Trey Waynes. Oh, of course, sir. So the first thing, and we have to be honest, we talk about measurables. Okay. Well, it's a stopwatch position. In any area scout you talk to, any pro personnel guy, any general manager, any advanced scout will tell you they want guys that can run a corner and wide receiver too. But it's a stopwatch position because of that recovery speed. Because if you take a false step, if you get beat off the line of scrimmage, can you recover down the field? When you got a guy that runs 4-3, yeah, yeah, that's going to sell. That's why he jumped up after the combine. That's why people started watching more film out. But people made it paid more attention to him. Now, the first thing I'll say about Trey Wayne is he comes from Michigan State. And the program they have right now, if you're looking for defensive backs, one of the first schools I would go to on a visit. If I was a scout, I'd focus on the secondary. One of the first schools I'd go to because they do play with technique. Uh-huh. They do use their hands as line screws. They do play press. They understand their guys, like you said, they understand their guys are going to get beat. You go back to the Cotton Bowl when they played Baylor, they play press. <laughs> okay, they play press. They're out there tired, going into no huddle. They gave up the play. But eventually you saw the impact throughout the course of that football game. We started getting hands on wide receivers and line screws. And that's the thing with Trey Wayne. He's got the length. He's got the size that I think teams want. And I've talked to teams before, Doug, that said they will not scout corners under six feet tall. They just won't. Now, not every team's like that because we've seen examples, obviously, in this draft class, across the NFL, where you have corners five nine, like Tim Jennings in Chicago was maybe five eight. He can play football. He gets his hands on the football. He's a good player. A lot of teams look to that size, that length. That's what you get with Trey Wayne. The physical guy, he's been out on an island. He's going to stay and play cover one. They'll play quarters, which is cover four. The way they play the quarters, Similar to the way Seattle plays their cover three. Uh-huh. They press. He wants his own. Everyone knows his own coverage and cover three and cover four. And the wide receiver releases off the line of scrimmage, it's cover one. You're playing bad coverage regardless. So I'm really high on Trey Waynes. I think he's the number one corner in this class. There's guys behind him that are very good players, obviously. But if I'm looking for a guy in today's landscape where you want to play cover one, this is the guy I'm focused on right now. Like you said, he does get grabby. That's going to have to change. The preseason will be good for Trey Wayne. It'll be excellent for Trey Wayne. So get OTAs and mini camps. And that's, uh, I mean, that's fourth grade recess sometimes. Uh, <laughs> you're competing against your own guys. It's, yeah. it's not really football. So you need to get him a pad in the preseason where one is tackle, one is read run pass, reach split to the wider receiver. And that's another thing that these guys will learn. You know, that the landmarks change, the hashes are tighter. Yep. 
the numbers are different than they are in college. You have to know what an outside split means. You have to know what a plus three means, plus three on top of the numbers with an inside release, what that means, what routes you're going to get. If you're playing outside the numbers as a corner, you have a plus three split, and the wide receiver releases outside, you're getting two routes, fade and comeback. That's it. Like a run. There's not, there's not enough room out there. There's not enough time to come back to the middle of the field. So you have to know that stuff, and Trey Williams will understand it, but the thing with the preseason is how to use this hand, what he can get away with. I know that sounds like you're talking about cheating. It's not. What can he get away with? Yeah. What can you do in the NFL to impact the wide receiver? Where can you hold him? Where can you jam him? Where can you stick that hand down low in the hip and hold that jersey? There's no things he can get away with, and he'll learn from the veterans. But, yeah, I'm a big fan of Trey Williams. Uh, this guy who's second on my list is Marcus Peters from Washington, and because I'm up here, I know you know that he was dismissed from the program last November. Um, went back and apologized to the coaches. Um, spent some time in Oakland, where he's from, kind of getting his head together. Chris Peterson invited right. him to UW's pro, UW's pro day, which I was at, and when he did the DB drills, you know, the hip flip, the transition, the back pedal. Um, you know, I. I this guy, to me, he's just a technique monster. And if you're looking to draw up physically a modern NFL cornerback, I think this guy is as close as you get. 6'0", 197. I think he's functional about 4'4". And, yes, he's, you know, he's pressy, he's grabby, but he's also very fluid. And, you know, are there off-the-field issues? Yes. I think they've been overblown to a degree. I think they bear watching. But if I've got if I have got a desperate need for an all around number one cornerback in the National Football League, as they say, uh, and I've got a top fifteen pick, I'm looking hard at Marcus Peters. What are your thoughts? I agree. You know, he doesn't have the speed of Trey Williams. I think he's a four five guy, um, but that's fine. He's talking about press corner. Now, if you were one of those teams that uses your corners as edge defenders, you know, I'm talking about Tampa, Chicago, you see Minnesota, okay. Uh, Mike Zimmer, where you have guys that, that jam, reroute, and also play the run game. He's one of the guys I look for. Uh, he does have the prototypical size. He does have length. He does make plays and contested throws, which I think is very important. You want a guy that's going to have that on-the-ball production, guy that's going to go find ladder, compete at the point of attack. Now, the character questions are going to have to be discussed. That's always part of the equation. You and I both know, though. It's talent first in this, in this league. We see examples of it every year uh-huh. with veteran players, with rookie players, talent sells. And this guy can play football. That's a thing. He's looking for a corner. He's got that size, got the length, wants to play press, wants to compete. Yeah, you're going to have Marcus Peters on your list. But I put him behind Trey Wayne. I think he's somewhere in the next Kevin Johnson. I think those are the top three guys. I think those are the guaranteed first round guys. Where they come off the board, we have no idea. But once Trey Wayne goes, who I think will be number one. And the run's going to start. And when that run starts, Peters will be shortly back. For me, the third guy, and we're, we're talking about 10 starts here, uh, Jalen Collins from LSU. And, you know, Les Miles recruits so well, he's got so much talent that they were rotating guys in and out. Um, so Collins, I mean, again, 10 starts, but he played against Amari Cooper. He's very fiery. I compared him to uh, Prince of Mukamara. I think he's got, uh, you know, 6'1", 203 excellent feel for what's going on in front of him for a guy who hasn't started a lot. I think if I'm, you know, let's say I'm in the bottom half of that first round, 
and I'm looking for a guy who may not start right away or he's rotational or he's a little bit of slot or something like that. If I'm looking for a guy, I mean, I, I could see Jalen Collins two years from now as being regarded as the best cornerback in this draft class. Well, that's a big statement. That's a big statement. I like it, though. I like you going out there, Doug. I like it. Uh, I talk to an SEC, SEC scout quite often, and very high on Jalen Cowell. Like you said, has played a lot of football in terms of starting ability, but he's got the size, he's got the length, played against SEC competition. Uh, the one thing when I was talking with this, this SEC scout, he's an area scout, uh, about Cowell, he was comparing him to Eric Rowe. Okay, in terms of measurables, in terms of what you're looking at, in terms of who comes off higher on the board. Because Eric Rose can have more on the ball production, obviously he's played longer. Uh, but he would put Collins in, in front of Eric Rose. And I know Eric Rose is kind of a hot name right now. Um, I don't know if that's us catching up to the NFL teams or. Probably. Yeah, probably is. I think yeah. in the media, but, by the way, in the media sense, when we start, you know, two weeks before the draft, we go, hey, look at this guy. NFL teams are going, you cheeseheads. We've had this guy for six months. Yeah, and sometimes it takes a long time for information to get out. I think area scout shit on that stuff for a long time. They don't put it out there. But especially when you start seeing the private workouts, the private visits, you know, every team gets 30 visits, you start connecting the dots, and you can see where guys are, are either rising or falling uh, on draft boards. Um, Accountant, yeah. You uh, played man coverage, that's the thing. Uh, you mentioned that game against Amari Cooper. I know he did give up a slant right inside um, and went for a six, but he's a guy that your defensive back coach you want to work with. And the reason I say that is because he has that skill set. He has the measurable. He has 4-4 four, four speed. I'm looking at the numbers right here. 36-inch vertical, three-prone timeless in the 6-7. That's pretty good change of direction speed right there. Anything with the defensive back under that 7 flat is a pretty good number. Um, yeah, he's a guy. And I'm I'm interested to see what happens with him as well, just from talking with that scout, seeing who comes off the board first. But, yes, I do believe Collins could be a late first-round pick because of what he's going to give you in terms of that body type and a defensive back coach. Just look, I want to get my hands in this guy. I can't wait from OTAs, and then he can't just work on his footwork. And then I can't wait for training camp to let him tackle. And then I can't wait to get him into the preseason to put him in some tough matches. Like I told you at the top of this podcast with the story of Greg Williams and Carlos Rogers, put him out there where he's probably going to fail uh, just to see how he responds. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's going to have some growing pains, but the more I watched, the more I thought, I you know, and, and again, with 10 starts, there are things you sort of forgive and excuse, so to speak, because you're projecting a guy maybe not to start right away. And you just you, at that point, you look for more of the base ingredients. And I'm just like, check, check, check. He's, you know, this kid's got it all. I, I was very impressed. Um, Kevin Johnson from Wake Forest, 6-0-188. This, this, is a, this is a big, hot name lately. I've been hearing more about him. I, I think this is us catching up, too. Um, to me, he's he's more a natural cover guy. Um, I think he's better in zone. I and when we say he quote unquote can't play press, I think to me it was a lot of the function of the scheme. He was playing a lot of off coverage because that's what he was directed to do. Um, so when you look at a guy like that and you say, okay, we'll get him as an NFL coaching staff for a couple months, and we'll teach him how to use his hands and how to redirect from the line and this and that. 
and maybe as a bonus, we've got a guy who can also play press bail, who can also flare out to curl flat, or also understand transitions on crossing routes and, and different uh, cross concepts and things like that. If I want a guy, if I'm less Seattle and I just want press, press, press all the time, I want more variable concepts. Say I'm a Dom Capers or something like that. Um, I right. think that's where Kevin Johnson shows specific value over some other guys in this class. Right, and, and, and that is an important point you bring up about the college scheme fight and what he was asked to do. Uh, and that's tough because I think that whether it's a cornerback or whether it's Marcus Mariota, okay, you have to look at the talent. And sometimes that's hard to do unless you've been doing this for a long time. The scouting players, because I struggle with it as well. You look at it and say, okay, like you said, Played off, he played bail, and for those that understand what bail is, that's when you line and press right before the snap of the ball. You start to inch off, you open your hips and six. So you're really playing man coverage over the top, and it's just, you know, you're open to the quarterback, and you keep you stack on top, you maintain your cushion. It's a hard technique to play. Uh, the Bears played 100 last year, and sometimes what that does is just opens the door. Why are you to walk right inside? A lot of slant on a dig, put the quarterback in a tough position where he's at a drive downhill. Think about Johnson, I think he's a natural athlete. I think he is fluid. I think he does have the hip flexibility. And he will play some off-man pros. And he will play some press-man pros. But you're not going to see a lot of that in the film. She has the value. Is he more of his own corner? Is he more of a man corner? It depends where he's drafting. And the team that's drafting has to understand that as well. They have to understand the challenges they're going to have in the learning curve, the developmental teaching aspect of the game, what they have to work with on the guy. If he hasn't played a lot of press in college, yeah, you're gonna have to get him in early. You have to keep him after practice. Those days, you have to take him out of the facility after he's done lifting the offseason. So look, let's bring a wide receiver out here. Let's go through 30 reps to press man. I want to see you run the entire route. I want to see the release point, the footwork, the ability to mirror, the ability to get your hands in the chest plate. Because a lot of times, guys that come to the NFL, when they struggle with playing press man, is their hand place. Okay, because again, in college, you can get away with stuff. You can in college, there you throw a receiver to the ground 30 yards down the field. There's a lot of things you get with, so you're going to have to learn that. But in terms of where he is, as a football player, a natural athlete, who I think can have natural ability as an offense form, going to learn to play press man. Yeah, I can see why people are high in the sky right now. I can see why he would be climbing up draft boards. And that could just be our perspective. I think he already was high in a lot of teams' draft boards. Well, let me put it this way. If I'm, say, a Bill Belichick, who is known for creating, uh, you know, he'll – He'll create the zig, and then when everyone else is zigging, he'll zag. He created the 3-4 hybrid, and then he went, okay, all you guys are doing this. I'll go 4-3, and I'll get all the best 4-3 athletes. Patriots probably played more man coverage than any other team in the NFL last year, and as a result, Belichick sees more man beaters. So in my mind, if I'm Belichick, I'm saying, well, okay, I just lost Revis, I lost Browner. Maybe I take uh, you know this a guy like this who can play zone – teaching the man-to-man, and then when they throw these man-beaters, well, I've got a guy who can sort of counteract that. And to me, everyone's going so man-man-man, press any you know man or press zone or whatever. When you get a zone guy like this, when you get a guy who's, who's used to playing off coverage, because, I mean, it's like Seattle signed Kerry Williams, and I went to look at his tape, and Kerry Williams in off coverage, it's, you know, there should be a parental advisory sticker on that stuff. A lot of guys just don't want to play off. So I think that's where his that's where he 
presents a specific value and to, you know everyone has their own reasons for raising a guy on a board but to me that's my reason is that he can play right, off yeah. leverage and that's a special skill these days right and it also speaks to his eye discipline okay because if you're playing let's say you're playing cover three you're playing off as a corner and you have two, two routes through the zone you have to play both of them you do he can't just run with a guy uh, for example what's the route that everyone has run against Seattle last one then the ran twice last year in the last couple of minutes it's when they run the route post switch number release. one they take number two and they run them you can call it a wheel you can call it a rail route it's a quick out and then up the field so you have two verticals in the outside one third of your corner and you act on number one of his own corner and don't get your eyes back number two that's time to strike up the band play a fight zone that's touchdown <laughs> okay so a guy a guy who's in his own corner who's had a lot of experience in his own corner Playing zone coverage has very good eye discipline, very good route awareness, very good formation recognition. Then he knows, hey, look, we're covering three teams. One of the top routes are going to beat you. That's one of them. The other one is the three-level sail route. You have a guy in the flat, a guy in the corner out of seven, and a clear out down the field. They're going to try to get that corner out of there. They're going to put the stress on the curled flat defender to play the seven. With the flat. Those are the two routes you have to play for is cover three. The other one is four vertical. You remember the play against Seattle? This one uh, this is what, two years ago against Indianapolis? Yep. Yeah, I think it was two years ago against Indianapolis. What they did, they started attacking the seams and cover three. Okay, and then once the corners were sitting on the seams, they'd throw the nine route outside. There's a cover three corner. You need to play bail or you can stay square. You have to play both of them. Yeah, you have a free state in the middle, but you have to work together. You have to understand what's coming at you based on the scheme you play. That's another step for guys coming into the NFL, knowing how they're going to be attacked. But again, that happens in college. Happens in college. These coaches work hard. They know what they're going to run. And someone who played in the Wake Forest system last year has to know that. So I agree with you that there are positives to that. Like you said, the trend right now, the hot talk right now is let's get fresh sports. We just talk about Trey Wayne and Mark Stevens. That's what they get you. Well, Kevin Johnson gives you something else that will be valuable to an NFL team. Well, I remember the switch release where uh, I think Maxwell uh, cut from inside to outside, and it was that uh, yeah, it was it was a two receiver cross on the left side, um, and I, yeah, a guy like Johnson's going to handle that better. Byron Jones from Connecticut, and he's an interesting guy because uh, injured his shoulder in October, uh, missed most of the season, then came to the combine just blew everything up so a guy mm-hmm. like this we have to go back a little bit more on tape what do you see from byron jones from uconn well obviously the numbers are the first thing you see four four speed 44 and a half inch vertical six seven three cone i mean the broad jump was ridiculous <laughs> i mean that's something you would you see lebron james if they were okay <laughs> Uh, you know, that, that's rare. That's unique. That's elite athletic ability. Play some off, man. I think you can put him in press. Uh, I think he's underdeveloped. Okay. I still think that's an issue. Uh, I think he needs more work. I think he needs to clean up his footwork. Uh, he'll need to work on his eye discipline at the NFL level. But in terms of projecting talent, and I think that's a big part of this stuff, is that guys are trying to project talent. They're not, I think the smartest NFL people know that even – so you might have a guy, number 10 on your overall board, when he comes in, he's going to need some work. Uh, and the measurables are going to push up Jones. They're really going to push him towards the top. And in terms of, I think, that back half of the first round, that's where I think he'll go. Uh, I do think he needs some work. But I would love to get with him. I would. Again, thinking like a coach, stepping in those coaches' shoes, I would love to get with this guy. 
I really would because I think he's got the ability when you get him on the field and you work with him, you add those measurables, that frame, and what he has put on tape, which I think can improve drastically. This is going to be a really good corner in the NFL. Uh, Ronald Darby from Florida State, and 5'11", 193, and that's the first thing you wonder is, uh-oh, he's an inch shorter than everybody likes. But, uh, you know, tremendous right. speed. Ran a 4'3 at the Combine, has been clocked as low as 4'27". And I-, I think the speed is great. I question the transition ability, um, and I, I kind of wonder where you see him as an NFL – I would almost I, – I wonder if – because there are so many of these speed slot receivers now with your, your Randall Cobbs, Victor Cruz. I would almost make him a hybrid guy and follow him around. I would make him sort of a designated speed receiver counter guy. I don't know that he's a pure corner yet. Okay. Um, piece of Darby. It's going to be a month ago probably after talking to uh, ACC stuff. Um Natural coverage ability. I think it's he, he's natural. Wondering about that, he's very fluid in his hips. He's got that long speed. I think he's got a, a decent click and close, which will be playing and drive on the football. Um, he doesn't have the leap size, but 5'11", 193, he has enough size to play on the outside. Uh, he's not a guy that's kind of, he's not Charles Tillman on the edge in the run game, okay? Not many people are, but he's not. Uh, I don't, uh, I'm not going to say he's not a willing tackler. Sometimes a skater on the pile. That happens with corners sometimes. But he will tackle. He'll tackle in the open field. He'll get the guy on the ground. It's not going to look pretty all the time. He'll get the guy on the ground. It's interesting you talk about more than inside. Yeah, it's interesting because when you play inside, then you don't have the help of the sideline anymore. You don't have the help of the splits using the numbers as your landmark. You have to use the formation as your landmark. Tighter to the formation, it usually means an underneath crosser. Uh, wider from the formation, they're usually means someone running to the flat or someone running a combination route to get number one open on the outside. And there's a lot of room to work with. I call it a two-way go. Mm-hmm. So instead of using that silo, he just throws his butt out of bounds. You can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of area in the middle here. And if you get beat, and initially you get, you get whipped. That's a catch. That's a five-yard throw. It's a more high-percentage throw. It's what the quarterback wants to throw the football in the middle of the field. And when they catch it after five yards... That's why that's why New Orleans drafted Brandon Cooks. Right? That's why people are gonna draft Phil Dorsett. Some mm-hmm. people are gonna draft Tyler Lockett out of Kansas State. You throw a ball to him five yards and then turn it a thirty yard game, explosive game, just because of their speed and their big win off the line of screw. Um, but I do like Darby. I like him a lot. I think he's in that second tier deck. Okay, I think he's actually the guys we talked about I think he's a second round pick, somewhere in there, but someone's gonna get a really good football player that needs to get better. That needs more work in man-to-man coverage, but he does have natural ability that you can't help. And that's some of the things we're talking about with these guys. Some of them have natural ability. Just talk about Kevin Johnson, natural athlete. Okay, you can't you can't coach that. Guys can get a little faster when they understand the game. They'll play faster. But in terms of natural ability, that's what you're going to get from Ronald Darby and the big man. Yeah, um, transitioning from. Corner to safety, and in that spirit, let's talk about Eric Rowe uh, from Utah. Played at an all-conference level at free safety, switched to corner in 2014. Um, what have you seen from him, and where do you think his best NFL position is? Or could he play both? Could he be I'm, – I'm not comparing him to Charles Woodson, obviously, but some teams like guys who can sort of move back and forth. 
Yeah, uh, it's a good question. I'm interested to see where people are going to play him. I like him at corner. I do. Because I think it's the first place you start with him. I think it's a more premium position. I'll see playing single high. And then probably everyone wants that guy. Everyone wants Earl Thomas. Everyone wants Devin McCourty. That's why these guys got paid ridiculous amounts of money because they can put a tent on top of the defense, take away the post and the seam all day long. But with Bro, I look at the size and length, look at the on the ball production he's had. Uh, the one thing that concerns me about him is he didn't finish a lot of plays, Doug. Okay. I think he had 34 PBUs, 33 PBUs, passes broken up in college. And what was his interception total? I think it's super low. Uh, it's not anywhere near that. So he didn't finish a lot of plays. Yeah, he broke up passes, but I think he missed an opportunity to make picks. So I have to do that in the NFL. He's got oh, yeah, low, low picks and high passes broken up, which, as you said, it's like a cornerback with a lot of tackles. You go, okay, right. that's that's not necessarily the best stat. Right, unless you're talking about Charles Tillman playing a lot of cover, too. Yeah. If, you're, if, you, if you have a lot of tackles as a corner, you play single high, it means you're getting beat. You're yeah. <laughs> you catching the ball. And as you intimated, ain't no more Charles Tillmans. No, no, there's not. There's not. There's not a lot. Let me talk about the top. There's not a lot of. Base uh, cover two teams anymore, um, but Roll, I, I, <laughs> I tell you, Doug, I got to start him at corner. I got that's what I'm gonna put him the first out to you. We'll put him at corner and see where I go from there. Now you, now you mentioned to play ball. That's a nice thing to have. He can be sort of a joker, uh, what I would call a joker, a guy who can move all over the place. A guy that can play different spots in your sub packages. You can put him in the deep half, maybe put him in the deep middle of the field, but can also play some corner. Um, I don't think he's got a lead recovery speed. I don't think he plays to the time speed outside. But that's the first place I'm going to start him. So I want to see what he can do. If he gets beaten OTAs, I can care less. If he's beaten many camp, I can care less. I want to see if he improves, if he develops. Now, if there is a point where you think he's reached the ceiling of the court, and it's not good enough, it's not good enough to play outside against some of these receivers we see in the NFL, then you got to make the switch because you're not going to get the most out of your athlete. You're not going to maximize the count. The first place I'm starting is corner. I know that's kind of a different opinion. You like him as safety. A lot of people I talk, a lot of scouts like him as safety, too. But I go back to the conversation I had with the Harris Cup. I trust this guy more than anything. And when we were talking, the comparison between Rowan and Collins, that's when we start on the half corner and see where it goes from there. Yeah. Uh, first safety off most people's boards is Landon Collins from Alabama, and six two two twenty eight. I know that Nick Saban teaches certain. You know, most of his guys come out without much of a backpedal. I know he teaches pattern reading at a very high level. I know it's a big, big part of the Alabama playbook, and it gives his guys a major head start. Uh, with Collins. I think there may be physical limitations that prevent him from being an interchangeable safety, you know, that that deep third transition and things like that. I don't think he's just a box guy, um, but I'm not sure he's going to, you know, if you're looking for we want two free safeties who can also come up, I'm not sure he's your guy. Where do you see him best fitting? I think he's best a strong safety. Yeah. He can play in the middle of the field. He's not an elite middle of the field player. Uh, that's just who he is. There's nothing wrong with that. He knew the proper system. You look at, I'm not saying he's going to these teams. I'm just, for conversation, say, Greg Williams, Todd Bowles, Rex Ryan, Big Fangio. 
because they're going to use their players correctly. They're going to maximize the talent of their, their defense. Those are the systems I love playing the most. One, it covered up a lot of my weaknesses. Mm. <laughs> These are the back, but more importantly, it puts you in a position to make plays, right? That's what you're supposed to do as a coach. So Atlanta Town, I think he plays it strong. He can play in a deep back. He can roll the middle field. You know, you get in motion, and you walk a free safety down, you roll the strong safety in the middle field. Every team does it at every level we game. Uh, I don't think he's going to get you beaten free safety, uh, but I don't think he's going to make a lot of plays at free safety. Uh, <clears throat> he's going to make plays underneath. Now, the reason I brought those defensive coordinators is because of sub because of free safety packages. Yep, big nickel. Uh, which some people call big, big nickel. You can put them in different spots. You can play them at a dime in a place like Greg Williams. The dime back in Greg Williams' defense is what Mark Barron is doing right now. Yep. I think anyone who saw Mark Barron, you know, after the trade from St. Louis, he made a couple of plays. Why? Because Greg said, look, I got a guy that's instinctive, it might have some limitations in the deep middle of the field, but I can get the most out of him underneath. Mark Barron was blitzing. He was mashing the tight ends. He was running underneath. There's a vertical hook defender, I call it, where you trail the team. So he got help over the top. You can do a lot of different things with land count. You can be very versatile in your system. But if you put him in a standard system, a boring system, uh, look, we're going to line up and cover two and play. I like you brought up pattern matches because we're talking at the top of the podcast about old school cover two. It's where you drop to a landmark. Okay, the landmark defense uh, that works sometimes. You have the elite athletes, but if you don't, no, you got to pattern match. You have to take that nickel and match it to number two. Even though you're a zone defense, you have to do certain things like that. You have to take your linebackers, catches drops to landmark. So on third and seven to ten, they throw a check down and move the sticks every time. You can't do that. You just can't. Not in today's game. Nope. My first time in 2000, he could, but not in today's game. You can't do that. So he does have that experience of playing in better match defense. I think his learning curve will be accelerated because of that. I think he's a smart player. I think he understands the game. He plays with instincts. But he's not a top 15 guy because he's not going to impact the deep middle of the field. He's not. He's the back half of the first round. He's the first safety to come off the board, in my opinion. And then I think you're going to see a dip in terms of when the next guy comes off the board. I don't know when it's going to be. I think there'll be a wrong maybe in the second round because it's, I mean, people need safety. You know, they come here in Chicago. Yeah, they need safety. So yeah, well, Chicago, <laughs> Chicago's an extreme example of safety need. Good Lord. Right. So you're going to be safe. I don't know when the run's going to be. But Collins is the first guy. He's the first guy to come off, and that kind of sets the stage for the rest of the draft in terms of when that run comes. But I think it's that back half first round. But I do like, I like him a lot. He's physical. Uh, he played Gunner, too, at Alabama. Yeah. He's done a lot of things. He, he, you're going to get a lot out of them. They played, him a bit at, they played him a bit at Will Linebacker. I mean, they, yeah. he can he, do a lot of things. This things for you. There's no question about it. But that overall grade gets a little bit because you don't have that real-time stability, that Devin McCordy's ability in the middle. Uh, Duran Smith from Fresno State, and uh, well, I'll, I'll talk about a guy who's in your wheelhouse, um, Brock, for, or uh, yeah, the Vereen kid from Minnesota who came out and was projected as a strong safety. And I looked at him, I looked at his size, I looked at his coverage ability, and I thought, to me, he's a slot corner. Um, now, that's that was my opinion. Um, this Fresno State kid, Durant Smith, 304 tackles, 15 interceptions, two for touchdowns, 25 passes defense, and he's done it against some pretty good competition. Problem is, he's 5'10", 200. So 
with a guy like that, um, are there systems in which a 5'10", 200-pound safety can legitimately start and play 800 to 1,000 reps, or is that where coaches have to start getting creative? I'll take Gary a little creative, but I have all production stands up. Tell you, so he did play against good competition. That's a ton of on the ball production. It's a ton. He does have, you know, brain, he does have ability to walk down over the slot. Um, but again, that's good college competition. We'll see in the NFL. You can walk down over Andrew Hawkins. Hey, you better be ready to move your feet, right? Yeah. You can walk down over Randall County. You better be ready to move your feet. Okay, they're not going to tell you what they're running. That, that, that's a long day of work at the office business for those guys. Um, I think he does have some versatility. I think he is tough. Um, like you said, you mentioned the amount of tackles. That's a guy that wants to play, wants to stick his nose in there, wants to be active. That's what you want on your safety. Uh, where he sits in this class, he's in that second tier because there's only one guy in the top tier. And we just talked about Scott. He's in that second tier somewhere. I think if he gets with the right coordinator, the guy that recognizes his skill set, says, look, there's certain things I can do with him because he does have some coverage ability. That's why I'm on my football team. Uh, the question that you ask, can he play 800 to 1,000 reps a year at 5, 10, 200? Yeah, I think he can. But you have to understand that his body's going to wear down a little bit. And that's the one thing there. I guess my base problem with a guy that with those dimensions, and I'm not diminishing him as a player, I'm just saying this, it, it's a, you know, I, Offense has become such a height, weight, speed concern when you have a Jordy Nelson, when you have a Jimmy Graham, when you have a Calvin Johnson, a Brandon Marshall, guys who start at 6'5 and then keep going up. And you've got this guy in the field, and you know Mike McCarthy or whoever's calling plays in Green Bay these days is like, oh, look, 5'10", Jordy, go there. And I guess from a either a technique standpoint or a schematic standpoint, is that where you put him as maybe the inside guy in the bracket? Or how does that work? Because that's an obvious size mismatch where he's going to be facing guys who, before they even do any vertical, are seven inches taller than him, and they're seven inches taller in an effective football sense. Yeah, it should come down to technique. You talk about bracket, yeah. That's going to work in seven situations, third and seven and ten. Third pressure there in the six. You go down and bracket that slot, you take him out of the game. Take that player out of the game for that play. Yeah. Okay, but you can't do that every snap. He's going to have to have some one on one match. What's his net? Game is still always about one on one match. There's only a certain amount of guys that have smaller frames at the safety position that are high impact, high production player. There's only so many Bobby Sanders in the NFL, right? Uh-huh. Okay. I mentioned Bobby because. I was here in Bias and the was strong. And Bobby played and with a small plane. He had a lot of thickness to him, but he played like a missile. He played like a missile. And they used him to top him. They put him in the box. He played some cover, too. But they used him uh, to maximize his skill. And that's what he has to do with this guy. But he's going to have some one-on-one matchups. Like, it's a come down to technique. And he can't come to the sideline and say, well, coach, he's taller than me. I can't make the play. Coach just say, well, I want to find someone who can Right? Yeah. I'll take a seat for a little while. I'll find some can. Okay, yeah, so it's going to come down to technique. Hey, you're playing against Jimmy Graham. Who's what? 6'6", six, six, whatever he is. 6'6", six, six, by so 260. Just, yeah. So catching the ball, when catching the ball, is about 6'10". At least. Right? You, have to play, you have to play the ball all the way down. You're not going to go up there and climb the ladder with him. You have to play the pocket, which is the catch point. Stick your hands between his arm and get that ball all the way down. Or you have to play it 
we win at the line of scrimmage, where you impact your elite, where you stay with the top levels, where you use your help, where you know where your help is. And Doug, that's something that young defense backs fail to recognize all the time. They lose leverage. So it's the outside leverage that lets the guy release to the outside. Well, I, I got news for you, pal. It's not going to work. Get to know where you're helping. If you're a small guy, if you're playing the slot, and we're talking about the young man here, and you want to push the push the guy in the middle field where you got your safety help, then push into the middle field. Stay in the outside hit, do what the coach tells you to do. I know that's not going to happen in every single play. These guys are human. The guys that advance as young players understand those little things allow them to be better football players and they do have limitations. Whether it's speed, footwork, or size. Right now we're talking about size. That's the limitation here. Know where you're helping. Play within the scheme. Then you will be productive Then you will make play. Yeah. Uh, Bob Sanders, for those of you who didn't see Bob play, uh, he, in the mid to late 2000s especially, was an unbelievable safety for the Colts. 5'8", 200 pounds, and uh, played a lot bigger. So Matt's not just saying that about Sanders because he also went to Iowa, just so we uh, get that clear. Jaquiski Tart from Samford. And obviously, you know, small, small, small school guy, you have to isolate the specific attributes and liabilities. There is Auburn tape. Um, I like this guy a lot. I think he can play interchangeable positions. 6'1", 221. He's got the field speed. He's got a basketball background that shows on the field. He's a natural hitter. You know, is he a starter right away? No. Does he need some work? Absolutely. But this is a guy I would love to take a flyer on if I was a GM. And I had coaches who were open to that sort of teaching work because I don't know how much of him you've seen, but I just I see a lot of um, – it's kind of like with the uh, the LSU kid. It's, it's looking at the base attributes and saying, how do we build on them? Yeah, I agree. And I'll be honest with you. I remember we were talking to you at, uh, at the combine. You and I both come to the NFL. That's what our job is. That's what we do every day. So when you get on the regular season, and if you haven't watched a guy who's from FSU, Ohio State, you know, a Power 5 conference, and I still call it in Division One, and you come to the senior ball in Mobile, and you see a guy play at the FCS level, you haven't watched tape on I haven't. I, mean, I had no idea who it was when we got down. I didn't. But the first practice, I said, who is this guy? Uh-huh. He was a 6'1", 220. He ran a 4'5", low 4'5", range in Indianapolis at the turn line. And I talk about Bobby Sanders being a missile for the ball. So is this. Yep. This guy. In, in He's talking about playing cover three and most of the senior ball. Bam, he closes downhill in the football like that. Okay, and he's violent at the point of attack. He wants to compete. Do they have limitations? Yeah, he does. He does. In the middle of the field right now, I wouldn't trust him. I would not trust him in the middle of the field right now. His eye discipline, he plays with too shallow. And that's probably because of the competition he played. You can get away with that stuff. I watched the Auburn tape. He was beat up. He didn't have his best football game. You could tell he just hurt. But he stayed in the game as long as he could. I like seeing that. Is a special teams player done? Man, he should be lining up if you're a special teams coach in the NFL. Oh, yeah. He should be going up right now to the general manager's office. Knocking the door and saying, look, we got to draft this guy. I don't care where you draft and draft. If you start on kickoff coverage, or start on punting, start on punt return, and start on kickoff return. He's going to be one of the front wall guys on kickoff return. And on kickoff coverage, my gosh. He runs a 4 5, he's 220 pounds. 
He said, drop the space mask right on you. <laughs> you You like to okay? Yeah. That's what And I mentioned this to you there that we're on here. Special teams is the best thing for defensive backs and linebackers. That's mostly what it is. Wide yeah. receivers don't want to tackle anybody better. They don't. You need a couple guys. Use your number four and number five wide receiver that understand, look, I want to stay in the league. I got to cover ticks. You're not going to find a, a one, two, three receiver to say, hey, yeah, I want to cover special teams and tackle. No. Not, not going to happen. So it's your defensive backs, your linebackers. Those are your core players in special teams. You're going to get the tight end, back of the tight end. You know, an H back, someone like that can do it as well. But you need defensive backs and linebackers. And it is the ultimate teaching tool. The ultimate teaching tool for NFL football. One, you get to learn how to use your hand. You don't use your hands with special teams, just like playing defense or offense. You don't stand a chip. You learn to play with vision. But if you're not looking, if you're not paying attention, someone is going to knock you out of the game. They might knock you out of the season. But you're going to get a trap block, a cutback block, and they're going to light you up. The other thing is angles. Learn how to create angles to the football. Are you going to get somebody to leave receiving returners? You take a poor angle, I don't care how good of a tackler you are. You're not going to get a hand on a bad pass. And the last thing is open field tackle. You learn how to tackle in the open field. A one-on-one tackle. Where if you don't get this guy down, the offense is starting at the 50-yard line. A lot of pressures, a lot of demands. It keeps you active during the game. It keeps you a part of the game plan. And while you're doing that, while you're developing as a football player, it buys you time. Because the coach said, look, the guys, we have to have him on the active roster. He makes tackles inside the 20-yard line every week. He plays gunner. He plays wing on punt. He makes tackles. You know, we got to have him on the active roster. That buys, sometimes it buys you two to three years, though. It really does. And during those two to three years, you can run some scout team. You can learn to go against number one wide receivers. You can learn how to play the position. And that's going to be the best thing for Jaquist to turn. Because right now, he's, I think he's pretty raw. I think you would agree with that. Yeah. He's got a raw talent base, but he's got the talent. Someone's got to put it together. So I would start with special teams and say, look, you got to get this guy in here. Uh, again, where does he go? Hey, who knows, man? When there's running the safeties, he's in a second tier somewhere. Maybe uh, the back end of that second tier or something. I think he's probably a day two guy. I think the back end of day two is going to come off the board. You're going to get a good football player. That needs to be coached, needs to be developed. But, man, talking about that size frame, that physicality, he's going to be a good, strong state in the NFL. Like you said, not a day one starter, okay? He's not going to start immediately. You're talking about year two, year three. That's when you want him on. Yep. Uh, we're talking about physicality with Tart. Uh, my next guy, and I wonder how much this is coachable. I, I don't often see an aversion to physicality among NFL players because you don't usually get that far without it. And I don't know if that's what it is. But when I watched Gerard Holloman from Louisville, who essentially replaced Calvin Pryor, tied an NCAA record with 14 interceptions. And some of those were gifted, but he has obvious cover skills. But I'm watching this guy, and I'm watching this guy, and I'm watching this guy, and I'm like, I don't think I've seen him make a form tackle yet, and I'm on my third game. Right. Um, how much of that is a problem? How much of that is coachable? And how much, if, if you're, let's, let's make you a defensive backs coach in the NFL, how much does that turn you off? It turns me off a little. Uh, but you have to weigh the balance here. Because the first thing you notice, the time, this is a guy who won the court for work, and ridiculous on the ball production. Made a lot of play. Yep. That's the first year stand. I remember talking with the GM, this is a couple of years ago, and I asked him, this, 
exclusively about this question that we're talking about right now. What would you rather have? God and tackle has got to make plays in the ball. He says, we're going to take the guy makes plays in the ball every time. Uh-huh. We can teach tackling. That's what he said. We can teach tackling. You can't teach instincts, awareness, and ball skills. Do you have them or you don't? I agree with that 100%. I got 37 years in the five four picks. Okay? I didn't have natural ball skills for games, to put it lightly, all right? I wasn't that guy. I didn't have the ability to drive the football, make these ridiculous plays in the ball. Oh, that wasn't me. Okay, and that's why I was drafted in the sixth round. All right, there's a lot of guys, though, that have those natural ball skills. They're going to get pushed up the draft. But the question is, can you teach that? But you can't teach someone because either you are or you aren't. I always believe that. That's how you're born. Do you want to hit or you don't? There's guys on the street from my house that don't want to hit. There's guys on the street from my house that do want to hit. Do you have that or you don't? Do you can't learn how to be a better tackler? Yes, you can. But you have to be pushed. The thing that worries me about that, Doug, is the structure of the NFL. Limited amount of contact. One practice a day during summer or mm-hmm. summer camp, training camp, which I think is uh, a terrible decision. Uh, to learn how to tap, you need to have two days, you need to hit, you need to scrimmage. You need to hit the tackling dummy every day. Okay, you need a defensive back coach that prioritizes tackling. So this is going to be about opportunity for this kid. The other thing is the testing them. They're real low. He's on 27 inch vertical, 708, three count, 465 speed. Now, speed and safety, uh, that's different than corner. Because if you are able to read formations, and you're able to read a quarterback's shoulders and get a jump on the ball, that 4-6 now becomes a 4-5. Yeah. I actually believe that. But there are a lot of questions about this kid. There are a lot. But you still go back to the on-the-ball production. That's why I think he's going to be overdrafted. I do. I think he's going to be overdrafted because of the on-the-ball production. I think overdrafted is I really the right word. I think overdrafted is exactly the right word because, uh, yeah, when I when I... When I use the word Pinkston-esque in my report, that's that's never a good thing. Uh, well, to finish up this podcast, I could talk to you for five more hours about football, which is always the case. Um, we discussed this when we were setting up for the radio show and for this pod. Give me some of the guys, second to third day, we haven't talked about that you really like and tell us why. Well, the first one is Clinton Reynolds out of Miami, Ohio. Yeah. Okay, I'm, uh, I'm writing a story on Clinton. I don't know. One of these days. Uh, He's rare. He's ultra rare. I don't use that term ever. He's ultra rare. He's talking about a guy played 40s basketball in Ohio with a star running back in high school. Okay. Uh, Grandma wanted him to play basketball. Okay. He played basketball four years. Uh, got a degree in four years. Excellent student, very mature. Comes from a strong family. And he just decided to walk out of my Ohio football team. Got a scholarship after 15 practices in spring ball. Ends up with seven picks, Mac Defensive Player of the Year, invited to the Combine, invited to the Senior Bowl. Uh, this kid is a natural athlete. I'm talk about with Kevin Johnson, but he's got that basketball ability, that change of direction. Uh, the ability to never take a hard fall. Anyone who wants to check him out, watch the pick he had against Cincinnati. I mean, talk about controlling your body, turning around, locating the football, grabbing it, and landing softly. Now, I would have been in the training room. I would have pulled the muscle to <laughs> All right? So uh, there's some people that can do that. He's a good tackler. He wants to try to talk to the DB coach. He said the two things he's most shocked about, one is ball skills so they can't coach that. Either you have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. And the second thing was his tackling ability. You know, that was a new staff of mine in Ohio with Chuck Martin came over from Notre Dame. They didn't tackle during spring ball. They didn't tackle during fall camp. They didn't have the depth. 
first time he tackled was week one. Wow. Since high school. Okay? So he was put in a tough position, and he responded. And the thing I like about Q is he is one of those guys that talk about developmental curve or learning curve. That really applies. One year, Division One football. That's it. One year. Now, the senior ball, uh, I think the one thing that he got exposed on is his long speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he ran a four five seven at, at Indy. Uh, did not run again uh, at his pro day, I don't believe. Uh, but you can see when he got beat, uh, he, he recalls his play. Day one, he had that double move. You don't see the recovery. But day two, he took that route and shut it down. Same route. Okay, so he wants to learn. He's willing to learn. He go head first in film, talking to his coaches, even talking to his basketball coach. This is a guy who can recite scouting reports to you. He's a very mature athlete. And I think that because of the weak safety class, someone's going to try to put him in the middle of the field, too. I really believe that. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot. He has that ability. I see a lot of second-round projections for him. Right, and that's where it is. Uh, I mean, he's a day-two guy. So we're in day-two. You're going to get a good football player. He's going to be good on special teams for you. Uh... He might be a returner for you. I mean, he's got ridiculous ability in terms of overall athleticism. Again, not a long speed guy. Might be more of a, a third corner guy that plays inside a little bit. But someone I'm really high and I'm excited to watch him play. Uh, another guy is Quandre Dick. I don't know how much you've watched Quandre Dick. Did you check? Not a lot. Uh, he's, got some, he's got some thickness to him. I think he's 5'9", almost 200. I mean, go watch, anyone who's listening to this, go watch Conrad Davis against West Virginia and Kevin White. He competed. He had a pick on the slant route against him. He the route. basically ran the route for him. Uh, he has a little grabby down the field. And I think he got called once or twice in that game. But you know what? He, he matched up to Kevin White. He could be a fourth overall pick in his draft to the Raiders, possibly. And he went toe-to-toe and competed against him. He's a day three guy. He can play some nickel. But again, remember what I talked about nickel. Can you play in the slot? Can you tackle and can you can blitz? I think that could be the guy. Again, there's someone that's going to be a star on special teams for it. That's someone I really like. Demarius Randall out of Arizona State. Yeah. Okay. Demarius Randall's interesting. Uh, okay. Uh, down to the senior bowl, I really like him because he's smooth. Well, the first thing I look for with defensive backs, especially down in Mobile, uh, the first time I'm really starting to get into this draft process, is do they panic with their footwork? Do they have to speed up and slow down? They have to open their hips wildly and lose balance because they're not smooth in their pedal. I think Randall's smooth. I think he's confident in his pedal. I think he's a middle of the field defender. That's going to push him up the board. There's not many in this spot. He's a good middle of the field defender. Um, that's someone I'm really interested to see. One, opportunity where they go. Second, when they come off the board. But that's someone I really like. I like his uh, technique for a guy who was Juco and has only played in the Pac 12 for two years. Exactly. Exactly. Um, who else I really like that uh, at the Senior Bowl? Who something more taking him as a safety? I think he's a corner. Uh, doesn't have great testing numbers. Doesn't have the best film. But Ladarius Gunther from Miami, Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he competed his butt off at the Senior Bowl. He made some plays. Uh, you know, there wasn't Kevin White and Mari Cooper down there. Um, you know, you had a lot of one-on-one matches versus Sammy Coates, and everyone knows Sammy Coates runs two routes, and they are nine on, so he runs. Yeah. So that was something he key on, but, you know, he went up high point of the ball against Sammy Coates, had a nice, nice pick against him on the goal line playing cover two, where he slid inside the slant. He's a competitive football player. Again, not a top draft pick, 
but someone that I am interested to see where they go, what position you play, what type of technique you're going to teach. So I think you guys have some ability there. Nice. Matt, it is always great to talk football with you. It, uh, it's, I always learn a lot, and uh, hopefully we'll do it soon, man. Take care. All right, guys. Thank you very much.